Welcome to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. I'm your host, Tim Reed. And as always, I'm so excited to be here today. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. Now, it's pretty crazy to think that we are on the backside of the eight departments to run a winning hearth business, but I've been really excited about this series. I've mentioned this a couple times this season, but the idea for this series was started by an airplane ride that me and Grant shared when we went to Minneapolis man, about a year ago. And we got on this plane and we were just talking through the different tools that we were using to grow our prospective companies. And there was so much commonality between them. And as we started talking about it, we put them into the boxes of these eight departments. We actually came up with five tools per department. And we thought, man, what are we going to do with this? This is an amazing jumping off point that can be a framework for a business to operate and have success. And we felt like in the back half of this season, going through those eight was a good start. We wanted to take about an hour on every single one so that either a new owner or someone who's looking to turn their business around would have an immediate jumping off point for each of these departments. And so my hope for you is that this has given you a lot of food for thought and then some very practical and tangible things that you can put into play right away. I know that the content, especially on the back half of this season, has been a lot and that it can be tough to take it all in. And in some of these episodes, you might need to listen to two or three times and just pick one thing to go after. Like, for instance, in today's conversation on the support staff, there's going to be five takeaways. And the danger is to feel bad that you don't have these and overwhelmed by all five and just not do anything. Instead, I think the best way to approach it is to just pick one. And even if it takes you six months to put that one in play, I guarantee that it's going to make your life and your business better. So today's conversation is all about the department of the support staff. And this is really, really important. The cool thing with talking about the support staff is I guarantee every business listening to this has someone or a team that already does most of this work. The problem is that it's usually not defined and the team members don't always have direction and they're not always empowered to think of themselves as the support staff for the organization. What ends up happening a lot is there's one person in a retailer or a couple people that are kind of like the toilet bowl and stuff gets flushed down the toilet because somebody else doesn't want to do it or it gets messed up and this person, it just lands on their desk and they have to knock it out. What we want to do today is to give you some guidelines and guardrails for transforming that person's job from just cleaning up everybody's messes to proactively supporting the company and empowering you to actually be a leader through metrics, organization, and a team scoreboard. So what I'm going to do just to preface this before we get into the conversation, I'm going to give you the five pieces that we are going to frame out in this conversation. And then at the end, I'll come back and talk about it. But here's the five things that we're going to be talking about today. You know, step one, when it comes to your support staff is you've got to identify your person who is the critical person that is either your entire support staff or is going to run your support staff. I guarantee that you know exactly who that is. Number two, with this person, you've got to define their role. The support staff, Grant calls them the accountability police. And I really like that, that 
this is where accountability comes in. The support staff is able to provide you metrics and information about every department in your company because they're the bridge that all the information flows through. So we need to define that role of what the team member or team itself does. Third, we are going to talk about implementing a system of confirmation calls. This is just an absolute game changer in the way that you run your business and your installation teams. Fourth, we'll talk about running an urgent incomplete meeting. And I've told this story in the podcast before, but for me, this has been an absolute game changer, having a weekly meeting where we're addressing the things that should have gotten done on the service and installation in that week, but didn't. And it's public and anybody involved has to give an account of why that work wasn't completed. And then fifth is going to be paperwork and scoreboard. The support staff is going to be your infrastructure to starting to create scoreboards for your teams and having an organized system of paperwork that helps everybody in the business succeed. So I'm not going to spend a ton of time on these. I wanted to just outline these five so that they're in your mind before we get into the conversation. And then at the end, I'll come back and give some thoughts on everything you heard. So with that, let's jump into today's conversation. Joining me once again from Spokane, Washington is Grant Falco. Grant, I'm super excited that you're here and I, I'm just I'm stoked on this entire series so far, breaking down department by department of a fireplace retailer. And today we're gonna jump into one of the most important areas of a business, which is the support staff, right? One hundred percent, Tim. I think a lot of people are probably shocked when you uh, and when you say support staff, but I absolutely agree. Well, you are the one that really made me aware of how important this is and not just how important it is, but what their actual job description is a few years ago. And and so I want to start out for people that are listening to this, maybe they're in a, a small business, there's not that many employees and they're like, what are you talking about? A support staff. Can you define what what is the job of the support staff department, whether that's one person or five people? Yeah. So, I mean, I was, I'm I, my, everybody starts their business, uh, you know, experience at different times. And when I stepped into this business, uh, Falco's 15, 17 years ago, uh, we had an established support staff. Uh, my mom and dad who own and operate this company, uh, my mom just believed in a support staff so that sales could focus on sales. So service could focus on service and installs could focus on installs. And and let's be honest, those trades aren't always best at paperwork, processing and all these things. So ultimately the support staff I knew or understood from very early on that it was absolutely vital. Now, when people come into our company, they see nine or 10 support staff people roaming around here and, and that seems excessive. And I well, understand that, that. That's more than some businesses have employed for their entire company. Yeah. And so again, that's, and that's where I have my own little perspective of, of, of support staff. I think you can build support staff from one, two to, to 10 people. But for us, it truly is the glue that holds all of this together. And, and like we've talked about, it's our ultimate accountability. There are our accountability police. And I want to speak to that just real quick. Yeah. They're, they're not our police in that the fact that we do not have support staff go to an employee and manage them. But support, support staff processes all the service paperwork, processes all the installation paperwork, all the sales orders, everything. So as that paperwork is getting processed, they have an understanding of what is expected on that paperwork and they, they grade it and they uh, report it. And what that allows us to do is they don't hold them accountable per se face to face, but they put me 
or the other leaders of our departments in a position to hold those people accountable through simple reporting. And so support on the front side of our all our departments, but then accountability on our backside ultimately is what the support staff does for us. Not to mention the customer service, the greeting, the answering the phones, all those things, the scheduling, all those things that 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 they do that are important. Grant, I love that. And and what's so cool about that is I think every company has at least one person in a support staff role but they don't think about themselves that way. And the fact that you say this is a a role, this is super important, this is the glue, I think that that sets that team member up to win. And and it gives them such clarity in what their purpose in the company is versus in a lot of businesses, it's there's just one person that is kind of the junk drawer that everything falls onto. 100%. And and we used to call it the clerical staff and and we changed the verbiage of that to support staff because clerical was kind of like i mean just weird yeah. I, I didn't like saying it i felt weird saying it support staff is what it is and our 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 staff our support staff takes ultimate pride in supporting everybody else that is their role although a difficult role Oh, yeah. Well, what I want to do for people that are listening, I want to go through some of the different functions that these team members have. And I think that there's going to be a lot here. So I just want to tee you up, okay? The support staff, one of the big things that they do in their role is the confirmation calls. Can you walk through that and how important that is? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and Tim, I want to get to greeting as another thing uh, that you might not ask about, but I want to speak to in regards to support staff. Let's let's start there. We'll go to confirmation calls in a second. Yeah, start with greeting. Okay. Um, so, you know, we have a a 5,000 square foot showroom and you have these big double doors that you walk into and you kind of walk into this big open store, which is different than it's yeah. And it's not the, the, the little vignettes that you see in a lot of fireplaces, uh, stores. And, uh, that's just something my dad believed in, but my office is upstairs and I recognize that when our salespeople approach the people that were coming into the store, uh, there was it was they were indecisive on when to approach them, and then when they saw a male, which we have two males and one female salesperson, but when they saw the male salesperson, they would put their head down and they would walk a different direction, and they didn't necessarily want to be greeted by a salesperson. Sharks. Everybody they were worried wants. About that. What's that? They're worried about sharks. That's exactly right. I mean, what is our idea of a salesperson? It's the used car lot salesperson, and yeah. if they're approaching us as we enter the door. My, our immediate reaction is negative. I mean, not negative in the fact that like, oh, they're, it's going to affect the sale, but it's not a good impression. Yeah. It's not a comfortable impression. And so by seeing this, I recognize that people definitely were more receptive to the female salesperson. And we, we changed that, how we greet customers over just like overnight. And we made sure that the support staff, who is, is male and female, but uh, does do all the greeting. They do the greeting at the front. They they get the people in the right direction. If they're looking for just basic things, they, they get them in the right direction and, and the people are taken care of, like rubs, spices, accessories, and that kind of stuff. So they're looking for a whole good. They're very familiar with the showroom. They get them in the right direction, maybe with a one or two questions, no more, because we don't want them answering questions. And they're to let them know when the customer needs it for the salesperson to come out and help. And most of the time they say, well, we need some help and we can immediately go out there. And it just makes for an easy transition. The customer feels taken care of, addressed, but not overwhelmed. Uh, and super professional we, too. It's a super it, professional interaction. 
And Tim, it was so amazing when I was doing bids at the time that we made this transition. I ask everybody that gives me money at the job, anybody that gives me money, I will finalize my sales process by asking them why. Why did they give us the money? And people almost always would, they wouldn't just only say the way that they were greeted, but they would almost always mention the way we felt coming from another store, coming to your store wow. through the entire process. But at the beginning, it was, it was mentioned almost every time. And it just gave me so much uh, confidence in that that was the right way to go about it. So greeting is a big deal to me. And I think there's a, a certain way. And support staff has been a huge help in, in, in helping us kind of get over that hurdle. That is terrific, man. I, I absolutely love that. Um, so one thing I want to ask, just getting on, on this pra- practically, do they have a desk up front in the showroom to greet people? Yeah, so funny you say that. So they didn't at first, of course. Like we did it from the back, which is maybe like 80 feet from the front counter to the front door. Uh, We put actually a kiosk desk about a year ago in the middle of that. And uh, Mary, who is our awesome greeter, is now in a position to answer phones, but primarily greeting. She also does some office duties and her she keeps her uh, her her little desk nice and clean just because it is out in the showroom but it's been amazing our people uh, have a direction but not an intimidating uh, person approaching them but a direction every time and mary's like best friends with these people by the time she hands off to our sales staff and i swear like they'll talk to her on the way out say hi thank you and, and bye and just speaks to the overall experience and i i i had to fight for that I had to fight for people. I had to fight with the support staff even. They didn't think it was their job, right? They didn't think it was their job. They didn't think it was important. Putting the desk out in the showroom was crazy. (laughs) I was the crazy guy. And now they all see it, and it's, it's night and day difference. That person that is our greeter is truly one of the most valuable positions because they control our showroom and people can get lost in our showroom. If I have more than five, six people in here, people can get lost. They are there to monitor them and make sure the rest of the support staff in the back are understanding what's happening out there. And and to speak to that a little bit more, we have yeah. a check-in system that Mary now, since we have a desk out there and all that stuff, we actually have a check-in system where we ask first name, we check them in, and then we can pass notes to the sales staff. The sales note, then sales staff then checks into that uh, system and can, can take notes on their sale and that kind of stuff, which really helps our, our system. But that was, it all started with the greeting and just kind of developed from there, not because of the sales department, service department, installation department, all those things that we know, marketing, all because of the glue, the support staff that holds everything together. That's amazing. I, I love that. Um, I, I, want, I do want to move on to confirmation calls next. Yeah. This, I had this on my list because I, I think that this is really important and I'd love for you to lay out how the support staff does confirmation calls and why it's done that way. Yeah. Okay. So... Um, I'll try to kind of go through everything that we confirm and why. So first of all, the confirmation is super important. And and Tim, why is it so important? You have to manage expectations, right? <laughs> so, so stinking true. Yep. And and anything that we do, it's about managing expectations. And so, you know, I, I, I deliver uh, or I did uh, a presentation for the expo this year, as you know, delivering the perfect installation and step one through seven was managing, managing, <laughs> meeting, or exceeding what you know our expectations. Yeah, and so we found that as we let's just take installs to start. 
So we found as we approached an installation that there was maybe one or two people that would communicate with with uh, the customer, and there might be some confusion in the process, right? I mean, like when you're selling a product, you, you might be talking about 12 different products, and then they decide on one based on all the things you told them, but you talk to them about 12 products. Do they really understand everything that they did? And how important it is to you as a business to make sure mm-hmm. they understand before you get out there? And that's where the confirmation call comes in. So on the installation side, it just comes down to managing expectations. Anything from what is owed, what what ha- happens with the permit, what we do to take care of your house, how we approach your house, what we need you to do to take care of your house, uh, and, and that kind of stuff, and just go through. Then make sure the product is right, make sure the face is right, make sure the venting is right, or maybe not venting, but total is right. Go through the scope of work. I mean, there's more to it. And you have just, a script. You have a script for this, right? We have a script, yeah. And we have one person that does it primarily, and then one person that it backs as a backup, basically when sick or a day off. Um, but yeah, script it out. We want it to be done the same way every time. And why? So that when that customer calls back, when we get there and says this, this, or this is not right. I know in defending or sales staff knows in defending that this is how we do it every single time. So it's documented. It's documented. We put it into the system and it makes for a shorter conversation. I don't rub it in their face. I don't say it, um, but, or I don't say it directly to them, but I let them know we have record of, you know, the sales process and how the sale was passed to the bid. We have record of what was emailed to them after the bid, whether they put a deposit down or not. We have record of the salesperson following up with them, reiterating everything on the bid. And our, by the time we're confirming before we go out there, it's truly the third time we're verifying that information. So I don't get calls a lot. And when I do, it's really easy just to kind of read through those notes and say, how did we miss this? What did we do wrong? And then you know what? Half the time I take care of them because it happens so little that it, it gives me an opportunity to play the hero role. Yeah. But I, all, I definitely make sure that they understand we covered our basis. I'm not sure what else we could have done for you. That's amazing. I think that there's so many situations. I've run into this myself. I remember in years past, I've called you and just said, hey, man, we got the situation. What should I do here? And you've just straight up said that should have been addressed on the confirmation call. Yeah. I mean, the customer should have known what the product was. They should have been walked through the scope of work and they should have been ready to pay that balance at the time of the job because that's what should be done on the confirmation call. That 100%. simple discipline can change your business, creating a script of confirmation calls. Oh, I, I can't even I can't even tell you. I mean, I don't want to say that customers are liars or manipulators, but some of them are. We know that. And if you don't cover your basis, you're going to get taken advantage of. There's no question. I feel like I'm taken advantage of still by consumers. And I have to play that role very delicately, of course. I mean, with reviews and everything out there. But you have to set yourself up that you don't have to say you did the right thing. You don't have to argue with the customer. You just have to speak in facts unemotionally through what your system is, how you document these things. And it's, it's very easy to turn around. Yeah. Oh, man, that's so Bad good. situation. That's yeah. so good. Okay, let's move on. After the confirmation call, your support staff, the, one of their big jobs is to collect paperwork. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So, um, you know, my mom and dad run basically ran this company up until the last six, seven years. And my mom is still involved on the accountant side. And my dad is, is involved in, in the numbers and seeing kind of the back end, but not heavily involved in the day-to-day stuff. 
But I truly believe that they built a foundation of what is the two different roles that make this a successful company. So you have the doers, you have the salespeople, you have the installers, you have the service people, but the doers aren't good at processing, aren't good at being consistent in, in how they process. If you give them an inch, oh, they might take a yard. And so support staff processes all that paperwork, has certain guidelines that they follow uh, that ultimately holds people accountable, but also allows us to be successful and run smooth. If we're tracking down what to order before a job and don't have support staff in a role to catch those things or to order those things. I mean, how much money do you lose in the gray area of running around trying to catch, you know, catch those things? It's yeah. pretty, it's pretty crazy. Or how many sales we, are missed? Cause it's the salesperson that's chasing that stuff down or, or sales lost because yeah. you didn't order the right thing. You get out there and it's the wrong thing. And the people say, I'm tired of it. This process has been a nightmare. Support staff is the support that keeps that going. They, they, it doesn't matter if it's service and the paperwork processing, it doesn't matter if it's installing sales, they basically are the internal efficiency of our company. And if they're not running, you know, on all cylinders, our business isn't profitable. And I will tell you, Tim, like when it comes down to it, the systems and processes are what will change a business. I think we've learned that. And my business has been dramatically impacted by systems and processes. You want to know what? I couldn't have done it without a support staff. There is no way I couldn't have built it without a support staff, and there's no way I could manage it without support staff. I kind of talked about how they're the accountability police. It, that's a good term, but it's, it's not the right connotation because, again, they're not the ones holding individuals accountable. But the systems and process, which they are extremely efficient on and held accountable to themselves – are what keep everybody accountable, winning and learning. And man, like we talked about on the last service podcast, I'm tracking like average service, average service guy per hour, total revenue. There's no way I could do that without it being processed through support staff and support staff doing that stuff on a regular basis. There's just absolutely no way. Well, and they're already in the paperwork. They're already collecting it. So for them to document, is it's not that big of a deal. Oh, it was it was coming up with a process that worked within the 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 time of getting everything done, and so they were already doing the work. It was just where is this information going to go, yeah. and where are we going to see it? You know, and once we figured that out, I have a couple people internally that are just lightning quick with spreadsheets and things like that. And over the last couple of years, we've been able to build some pretty amazing, whether it's, you know, public scoreboards like KPI reports and different things like that, all because of, of, of the support staff. Hey, if you listened to the podcast last week, then you heard the announcement of the Blitz trip. This is something me and Grant have been really excited about for a long time, and it is finally available. If you've been someone listening to the podcast for a while, and in particular, the recent episodes about the departments of a hearth company, and you're wondering, am I doing it right? Where do I start? Then a blitz trip might be for you. So when me and Grant come in for a blitz trip, it's generally going to be about two and a half days. First, we'll fly into your town, and the night before we get started, we'll have dinner and or happy hour with you to really talk through the big picture of where you want your business to go and what of where you want your business to go and what immediate pain points seem to be getting in the way. 
The next day, we're going to spend a full day with management and ownership going through your systems and processes and offering insights based on everything you've heard in the podcast this season as to how this can specifically apply to you. And by the end of the day, you'll have a clear plan of the immediate next steps that need to be taken. The last day that we're out there is going to be a team event where we're actually going to lead your people through sales and installation courses that are going to complement what was discussed the day before. Now, as a follow-up to all this, we're going to provide you a written summary of the trip that includes the strengths of your business and also some weak points that need to be addressed, but more importantly, what the next steps are in order to grow. Now, I mentioned this in last week's episode, but these trips are not for everybody, and I'll just tell you they're expensive. And the reason why is that me and Grant's time is super limited and we can't do that many of these blitz trips. And so we just want to be clear about that up front. But if this is something that you want to take advantage of, you can go to itsfiretime.com slash blitz. That's itsfiretime.com slash blitz. And there's everything you need to get started scheduling the blitz trip that'll help you take control of your business. That's so good. Okay, I'm so glad you brought that up because I want to move on to scoreboards. So, you know, and I, and I love that you said they're already doing the work because I bet for people listening to this, I mean, obviously someone's doing the work because somehow you're processing warranties, somehow you're making purchases, right? So you, yeah. you already have these people doing the work, but you just need to make sure that the data goes to the right place so that you can stay organized. Can you talk about what do they do for your scoreboards and, and, and how yeah. was it you were able to make the shift of them starting to document that stuff to stay organized. Totally. Okay. So, you know, one of the hardest things about being a leader is holding people accountable and inspiring them at the same time. I've been saying that for a couple of years now. And I, yeah. I really, truly, if you dig down to the hardest part of a leader, I think that is the hardest part. So I know that, you know, my Italian heritage, I can get wound up. I can get emotional. And, and we were at government affairs a couple of years ago. And I remember a gentleman saying, don't talk to me after two 30. Do yeah, not even yeah. come around me. My staff knows do not. And that's kind of the, the world I lived in. I, I think that when you're dealing with things in a reactionary way, whether they're problems or, or whatever, you're, you're going to be emotional about it. And it depends on your current emotional state. And so there would be some situations I would handle emotionally and some similar situations I wouldn't handle emotionally. And it all came down to accountability. It all came down to the people and it all came down to my emotions. And it was inconsistent. It was chaotic. No one knew right from wrong because I could address one thing one way and the next day the same thing a different way. Why? And they're wondering which grant am I going to get? Exactly. And I was emotional. I'm just, I am. You can tell from this podcast, (laughs) I'm emotional. I had to take the emotion out of it. And I couldn't continue to put my support staff in a role that they had to go back to these people and hold them accountable. I had to let some fires burn. I had to say, it's okay that they didn't turn in this paperwork because I'm going to solve it this next week. And they're going to know that following week, I'm not going to let that happen again. So don't be the police, just process it, get it to me. So we put a schedule together where each department has what we call a a, a basically, well, Each department has weekly meetings. Each department has an agenda. That agenda is set up in performance first, investment second, urgent and hot topics third, always the same type of agenda, and performance is all key performance indicators. So we put together a schedule after we have a system in place of what those KPIs were, which wasn't easy, but after we got that, we put a schedule together of when these KPIs needed to be to the leaders. 
Then we display them at the meeting where all parties are involved. And it's just night and day difference. I mean, I could just set that, you know, where we have put it up on a TV now, but originally we just set it out on a piece of paper in the middle. Everybody kind of look at it. I'd, I'd review it. I didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to say anything. Everybody knew where the mistakes were. And it really created a winning or learning mentality. When I was emotionally impacted by a, a, something that was done wrong, I would attack it and I'd be, I'd say things I didn't want to say. I'd be emotional about it. I would deflate them versus trying to help them understand why it happened and how to figure out how to not have it happen again. And that's what it's put me in a position to do. And again, I don't, I literally now get a report and then meet with a team and share that information and we just go through it. And I don't have to get emotional. Now, do I still get emotional? Yeah, I still do. Like sometimes I have to react to things and sometimes I'm, I'm not happy with the emotion that I display. But this has gotten 90% of me to be productive in an unemotional way and give me true facts to work on. Well, this, right? is, this is so good. And, and I think that we talk about this terminology a lot, the treadmill business operator versus the trailblazer that builds something new. And you can have a lot of success as a treadmill operator. I mean, there's huge companies that still have treadmill operators, but you never get off the treadmill. It, the business only works when you're running at full speed in a million different directions. And to be someone that makes the transition to being a trailblazer that builds systems and processes and, and can start to slowly get above this thing, you can't do that by reacting emotionally and flying off the hinges. If you're an emotional leader that acts without data, you will always be a treadmill operator. 100%. I mean, uh, you know... I love my father. My father is an amazing man <laughs> and honestly the best salesperson just he he anything he touch it it, it touches and turns it yes. to gold. It's it's amazing. But his and I's management styles are completely different. And let me give you an example. So we bought a corner piece of property to add to our kind of property that we have here at Falco's to kind of complete the 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 grounds per se. We bought a corner piece of property that we have to invest in. We have to to get. It's like a project. Yeah. And during this COVID nineteen thing, uh, we have maybe less revenue coming in, and we have the same amount of employees, and we're trying to invest to get to the other side, right? So this Willow project has become a project that we need to manage. Okay, and this is where we're different and why support staff is so important. My dad has a hard time with me not being a part of that understanding. So I had him meet with, I put the installation team, the retro installation team in charge of that project and the other teams in, sort of in, in charge of some other projects. My dad would go in there, he would meet with the, the lead installer and he would lay them out and he would say, get it done. And then he'd go and and, and he would stay on them by going there four or five times a day and making sure that, and then the next day doing the same thing. And then the next day, and he would stay on them and they would be productive. My, my thought process is, is I have 17 of those projects going on and how can I give one project that amount of time? Yeah. And this is where I'm a little bit different. My dad looked at me crazy when I was like, well, meet with Brandon. Brandon will make a list. Brandon's going to get with Jenna, our install coordinator. They're going to put a list together. They're going to put times, estimated times on that list. And they're going to send it to me. And then I'm going to know what they're doing on a daily basis that is of that list that you gave them. And I'll tell you what, I bet you get, they get more done in one week than they would in two weeks. And I also have the opportunity to work on all the other projects and departments. That's how I've managed this company, not by doing it hands-on, 
by creating a system and a process to do it. And who is the major cog in that wheel? It's support staff. They are vital to making sure they send me emails on a weekly basis to update me. And if that stuff wasn't happening, I couldn't manage them in the way that I needed to to grow this business. Well, that's amazing. And, and it goes back to our conversations that every business has to be a treadmill operator for a while. And so there's no shame. Like if that's been where you are, like you look at where Falco's was when you took over the like you took over a sports car because yeah, of what totally. had been built. 100%. But the difference is when you want to make the leap to what's next to take your business to the next level, that's where this stuff comes in. And it, and I would say it makes your life a heck of a lot easier. I want to ask you about this. We've talked about this before, but I want to dive on it. Urgent and complete meetings. That's yeah. a really key part of the support staff. What is an urgent and complete meeting and how how are they involved in it? Okay, so um, in regards to the installation department, and also it, it goes to the service department as well, but I'll just speak to the installation department. So anytime Falco's goes out as installs or service to a customer's home, and we expect to complete that job that day, and for it doesn't matter what reason, for one reason or the other, we do not complete it. It goes on to what we call an urgent incomplete list. The urgent and complete list is managed by our install coordinators, is updated on a daily basis, it's sent out on a weekly basis, and it's managed at every department meeting. Well, every department meeting that is it involves, which would be installation and service, and then our leadership team meeting. And we just, we problem solve. Our, our number one pillar here at Falco is to deliver wow. So if we go out and have a customer expect to finish that, you know what? We better finish it. Yeah. So delivering wow sets up what our mentality is when we incomplete. So like, let's say a blower is bad and it's manufacturer issue and I need to claim a warranty, but I don't have any of those blowers in stock. I will rip it off the unit in the showroom to make sure I get it done because our goal with this urgent incomplete list is to have all urgent incompletes done within a week of that urgent incomplete happening. And so if we're unable to finish it or fix it right then and there, it goes on this list and we manage it and we make sure that it's not on the list two weeks in a row. And what it does is it gives someone the responsibility to manage what is going to be that negative review. It's good. It gives someone the ability to manage a consumer who is going to be hot proactively and keep them, uh, you know, at, at bay from being super upset. And, and honestly, I would get calls three weeks after an install and say, where are you at with this? I'd go to my staff and they'd be like, we dropped the ball. And, and I won't say that that, it, it, we're not perfect, but this urgent and complete list has created a mentality uh, and the support staff being able to process it, being able to make it, being able to keep it updated have totally changed our business and what our, 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 cons our consumers are getting as an end result. And our urgent and completes have went down because we don't even want it to go on the list anymore. But if the list wasn't there, we wouldn't have that motivation, right? Yeah, and, and they're tracking everything. So because they've got visibility, they see the paperwork every day. So the installers will turn in their paperwork. They will know, here's the issue. This is what we got to do. It's got to go on the list. And and that that little change, I mean, you think about how much time do you spend pulling out your hair because it's been three weeks, a customer hasn't been called, and they're wondering, when are you going to get back out to 
fix my installation. And by the way, I'm holding up my payment of $3,000 until this $50 part goes on. You know, yep. I hear every argument in the world from businesses of like, well, they need to pay us for the stuff that's out there and it's only a $50 part. And I'm like, dude, if I get a bathroom remodel, I'm spending $10,000 on and I don't have a toilet. I don't care that that toilet is $175. I'm not paying you for this remodel because I don't have a bathroom. Yeah. And it's like, yep. I mean, I'm sorry. Like that's the way it is. And this meeting solves that problem. It truly does. And it's, 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 it's not like reinventing the wheel. It's so simple. But what it does is create other systems and processes that make you better. And I'll give you an example of that. So we put together the urgent and complete list. And our number one pillar is to deliver wow. Well, if we still apart from the showroom, that's another problem, right? Yep. If you still, there's a list for that, that is managed right along with this urgent and complete list. I mean, so there's other things. Another example, we have our installers send us pictures after every job. They are graded on if they send them that day. If they don't send them that day, they're marked down. They're, and they're graded on completion. And they're graded on did they send the right pictures for the type of install because we want pictures on everything. Okay. So that's a great process. And it's a, it's a basically a quality control process. If I have pictures of everything, no, I'm almost guaranteed that job is done perfect. If I don't, sometimes we have issues, but with that said, I wanted to know right away how many incomplete jobs we had and if they were planned or unplanned. So on the pictures that they send that I get every installation picture, they say incomplete, and then planned or unplanned. If it was gas piping, we're going to go out there and final. It's planned, right? But if it's a custom surround that's in, it's wrong. It's incomplete and it's unplanned. And what's amazing is the installers don't want to send that, so they normally try to figure out what they can do to fix it that day. Wow. And it's just another way of us being able to track it as 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 close to real time as possible. Salespeople are also on that email. Grant, this is unbelievable. I know people listening are going to just be thinking like, what do I have to do now? I mean, because I feel like the danger here is that is that this sounds too good to be true. People are going to think, I can't do this. Like, I don't have 10 people that, that can do this. I, I want to, I've been taking some notes here as we're talking and, and here's what I'm thinking about. If you're, if you're a smaller company, I think there's five things to put in play. Tell me what you think of this list. Okay, so step yeah. one, identify your person. You probably already have them as part of the company. Step one, identify your person. Number two, define the role. Step three, confirmation calls. Step four, they manage an urgent and complete list. And then step five, paperwork and scoreboard. Totally. I, th- I think that that'll set you up to start to win. Absolutely. And of course, that, cu- that person is going to do a lot of other things. But if you can get them to focus on those things as well, intentionally, game changer. So you're in the middle of the COVID crisis like everybody, and you have been having to make tough decisions. And I, I look at what you've done, and I think that you are setting the standard. I've seen companies that have uh, acted in an extremely reactive manner, just slashing here, slashing there without rhyme or reason. Um, you've been a person that is attacking this proactively. And you've got all these non-revenue producing people employed at your company, what's the justification for that in the midst of a crisis like this? Whoa, Tim, hit <laughs> me at the end here. I know. Uh, so, so for me, um, it was, it was, it was super important. So in the COVID crisis to be transparent, uh, you know, came back from the trade show and, and life was upside down for all of us. Uh, and it's been, it's been incredibly difficult to, 
to know what is right from wrong, and it changes daily. We made a commitment, as you know, to keep the team intact and to come out stronger on the other side. I feel like I've said that a thousand times in the last eight weeks, and it's probably because I have. Um, That mentality set us up to invest, invest, invest. Uh, My support staff are some of the best idea makers in in my company because they see it from the inside out. And so right away, I saw value in support staff staying around. And our business is incomplete without it now. But I totally understand the justification of can you carry all of that and then and and is it justifiable when you don't have a revenue? And my mentality is maybe not currently. Maybe I could take a step back, work them three days a week and, and continue to nurture this. But my business suffers. The problem is, is less support staff I have, the less checks and balances I have, the less efficient I am, and I'm making less money. So we've looked at this as an opportunity. We have everybody working full time and we are investing. The support staff has duties right now. They're trying to make the customer experience 10 times better through setting up the installations with uh, flyers, informational packets, ballpark pricing, anything that we can to make the experience better, packets at the end of the installation. So we are investing over the next eight weeks so that we are a couple years ahead of our competition coming out of this. And we just couldn't do it without support staff. Our KPIs are still rolling. Uh, I'm not doing weekly meetings, but I'm still getting reporting. I still track everybody coming in the door. They do that for me. And now I know how much I was impacted by the COVID when my doors were closed for five weeks. And I also know at what rate are people coming back because of the tracking. Support staff is absolutely vital for not only making it through this, to making it through it efficiently. Grant, you couldn't have laid this out any more clearly. I love it. For people listening, just remember this. You got to start somewhere. You probably already have this person in the company. They're probably doing most of the work anyway, but it's just being intentional with what you have. So step one, identify the person. Step two, define the role. Step three, start these confirmation calls with a script the same way every single time. Step four, start an urgent incomplete list. Step five, this person or team needs to manage paperwork and the scoreboard. I think people are going to win, man. Thanks a ton for being here. Awesome, Tim. Thanks again. Well, I hope you guys got as much value out of that conversation as I did. For me, even as I listened back to it while I edited the episode, it was awesome to hear these things that Grant was discussing. I think that it can be easy to be intimidated and to think, my business is never going to be able to operate like that. But the truth is, Grant's business wasn't operating like this four or five years ago to nearly the extent that it is now. It's all about getting started. And like I mentioned on the front end, Just pick one of these areas and go to work on it, and you're going to start to see a difference. Now, I mentioned there's really five key takeaways to this conversation if you want to build out your support staff. Number one, identify your person. Two, define the role. Three, start implementing confirmation calls. Four, run an urgent incomplete meeting. And five, paperwork and scoreboard. These steps are really powerful, and I'll tell you about a few things. So, One is going to be confirmation calls. I would recommend, just like Grant said, that you write a script for your confirmation calls. And that script is laminated and put on the desk of whoever it is that's going to be calling your customer to confirm a service or an installation job. That in and of itself is going to change the future conversations that happen. It's actually going to change what happens when an installer goes to the job site. Because 
Customers can be forgetful or sometimes they can be manipulative. And the fact that you know every single call had this information discussed and it's documented empowers you. It really does. If there's an issue after the fact with a customer, having this information and knowing that it was covered, it means that communication was not the problem. And again, you don't beat a customer over the head with this, but this does give you power that you're a credible business that did communicate expectations to the best of your abilities, and you can stand on that. Next is the urgent and complete list. For me, I mean, for years, there'd be situations where we'd get into a, into a job, something would go wrong, and it would slip through the cracks. And two weeks later, three weeks later, you've got a furious customer. And as a leader or a manager, you're like, why am I just hearing about this now? The urgent and complete list stops that. If you do anything differently because of this episode, have your support staff keep a spreadsheet of the jobs that were supposed to get finished this week that didn't for any reason. And on a weekly basis, you talk about that with your teams and the installers, the salesperson, whoever it was who is a part of the reason it wasn't completed has to give an account. Now, giving that account might be, hey, we got out to the job site and the framing wasn't correct, so we weren't able to complete it. And that's totally fine, but that reason needs to be logged. It could also be that there was a combination of mistakes where maybe the manufacturer had a part wrong in one of the boxes, or maybe it was an installer's fault where we didn't have the right part stocked on our truck. That weekly conversation of team members having to have accountability for their actions is an absolute game changer. And what you're going to find over time with this meeting is that you identify the key issues that are stopping you from getting work completed the first time out. This makes for a better customer experience by far. And this actually makes for a better life for your service techs and installers. The urgent and complete meeting can only happen though if your support staff is documenting the status of jobs, whether it's complete or incomplete in real time as they're being finished and they provide you that information to run a once a week meeting. And that ties right into the last one, paperwork and scoreboard. You know, I really believe that there are team members in your company that are winning and they don't know it. They're not being celebrated. They're going to work every day and their demeanor is just, well, this is what I do. I I go to work. And that demeanor would be completely changed if they knew that they were succeeding. Having your support staff create scoreboards for your different departments allows you to do a few things. Number one, it allows you to reward people who are knocking it out of the park. This doesn't always mean financial, but just knowing that you're doing a great job and moving the needle for your company is a big deal, and that grows engagement from team members. But what also happens is you have the ability now, when you're off track, to learn, to figure out why, and to come together as a team to overcome this problem. I keep saying we're going to do it, and I think it's going to be in season five, but at some point, we'll have an episode where we talk about what the different scoreboards for your departments can look like, but your support staff is where it all starts. They are the collectors of the data, and chances are they're already collecting this stuff, and nothing is happening with it, so they're staying overwhelmed, your installers are chaotic, and they're not organized, and your sales team is never able to make the changes that they need to make their lives easier for other people in the company. That all changes when you have a common scoreboard that you can work off of. So I hope that that conversation was beneficial for you. I absolutely loved it and know that putting these things in place can be just a game changer for your company. Now, as we round out here, I'm going to mention that 
If this podcast has been a blessing for you and you want to support it financially, you can do that by going to patreon.com slash it's fire time. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash it's fire time. And by the way, there's a link in the show notes, but you can contribute whatever you want. Basically, we are trying to outsource the administrative duties of this podcast so that we can continue to create the highest level of content possible. And we need some money to do that. So we appreciate whatever you're able to contribute. And I understand if you're not in a position where you can. Okay. Lastly, before we round out, If you have questions on anything we've talked about in this episode, you can send me an email. My email address is tim at itsfiretime.com. That's tim at itsfiretime.com. And the last episode of this season is going to be a question and answer episode where me and Grant tackle everything that's been asked throughout the course of the season. So with all that in mind, I hope you guys have an amazing week taking the steps that you've heard today and putting them into practice. Doing this will make your life better. And I'm telling you, this is the hard work of a leader, but the payoff you'll see at the end is unbelievable. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. To learn more, visit the website, itsfiretime.com. Music from this episode was written and recorded by In Bloom out of Portland, Oregon. We thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. We'll see you next time.